0: Chapter 5 of Marjorie Dean High School Sophomore by Pauline Lester. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter 5 An Uncalled For Rebuff. The great study hall which Marjorie and Mary entered had little of the atmosphere supposed to pervade a hall of learning a loud buzz of conversation greeted their ears it came from the groups of girls collected in various parts of the hall who were making the most of their opportunities to talk to until called to order marjorie gave one swift glance toward the lonely desk on the platform it had always reminded her of an island in the mists of a great sea She breathed a little sigh of relief. Her pet aversion, Miss Merton, was not occupying the chair behind it. This, no doubt, accounted for the general air of relaxation that pervaded the room. Her alert eyes searched the room for Constance Stevens. She was not present. She gave another sigh. This time it was one of disappointment. She had seen Constance only twice since Mary's arrival. On one occasion she had taken dinner at the Deans' home. The three girls had spent, what seemed to Marjorie, an unusually pleasant evening. Constance, feeling dimly that Mary did not quite approve of her, had dropped her usually reticent manner and exerted herself to please so well had she succeeded that mary had rather unwillingly succumbed to her charm and grown fairly cordial totally unconscious of the shadow which had darkened the pleasure of constance's first meeting with mary and equally ignorant of Mary's secret resentment of her new friend, Marjorie had retired that night, inwardly rejoicing in both girls, and planning all sorts of good times that they three might have together. Several days later Constance had entertained them at luncheon at Grey Gables, the beautiful, old-fashioned house Miss Allison had purchased on the outskirts of Sanford. Mary had been secretly impressed with its luxury and had instantly made friends with little Charlie. The quaint child had gravely informed her that she looked like Connie and immediately taken her into his confidence regarding his aspirations towards some day playing in a big band. He had also obligingly favoured her with a solo of marvellous shrieks and squawks on his much-tortured fiddle. Mary loved children, and this, perhaps, went far towards stilling the jealousy which so far, only faintly stirring, bade fair to one day burst forth into bitter words. "'I'll see you in school on Monday.' Marjorie had called over her shoulder, as she and Mary had taken their departure from Constance's home that afternoon. But now Monday had come, and there was no sign of the girl Marjorie held so dear in the study hall. Connie had better hurry. It's five minutes to nine. She'll be late. Marjorie's gaze travelled anxiously toward the door. An unmistakable frown puckered Mary's brows, but Marjorie did not see it. "'Oh, Marjorie Dean, here you are at last. We've been waiting for you.' Susan Atwell left a group of girls, with which she had been hobnobbing and hurried down the aisle. "'Come over here, you dear thing. We've been looking out for you.' She stopped short and stared hard at Mary.' why i thought she began you thought it was connie didn't you laughed marjorie she introduced mary to susan the girls over there thought you were constance stevens too smiled susan showing her dimples you see marjorie and connie are inseparable so of course we naturally mistook you for her i never saw two girls look so much alike if we have a fancy dress party this year you two can surely go as the siamese twins wouldn't that be great mary smiled perfunctorily she had her own views in the matter and they did not in the least coincide with susan's a moment later they were hemmed in by an enthusiastic bevy of girls each one trying to make herself heard above the others Marjorie was besieged on all sides with eager inquiries. The girls had discovered, as she neared them, that her companion was not Constance Stevens. Marjorie at once did the honours, and Mary found herself nodding in quick succession to half a dozen girls. "'You fooled us all for a minute, Miss Raymond,' cried Muriel Harding. "'She didn't fool me,' announced Jerry Macy, who had joined them just in time to hear Muriel's remark. "'I knew she was coming, but I kept still because I wanted to see you girls stare.' "'Look around the room, Marjorie,' observed Irma Linton in a guarded tone. "'Do you miss anyone?' "'Not Constance. I wonder where she is?' "'I don't know.' marjorie's eyes took in the big room then again sought the door she said she would meet me here this morning let me see do i miss anyone do you mean a girl in our class irma irma nodded marjorie cast another quick look about her why no oh now i know you mean mignon again irma nodded under cover of a burst of laughter from the others she murmured mignon won't be with us this year you will observe if you look hard that i am not weeping over our loss marjorie was silent for a moment The past rode before her like a panorama as she thought of the elfish-faced French girl and of how deeply she had caused both herself and Constance Stevens to suffer. Her pretty face hardened a trifle, as she said in a low voice, I'm not sorry either, Irma. But why won't she be in high school this year? Has she moved away from Sanford? I haven't seen her since we came home from the beach. She has gone away to boarding school, answered Irma. Between you and me, I think she was ashamed to come back here this year. Susan told me that her father wanted her to stay in high school and go to college, but she teased and teased to go away to school, so finally he said she might. She left here over two weeks ago. One of the girls received a letter from her last week. In it she said she was so glad she didn't have to go to a common high school and that the girls in her school were not milk and water babies but had a great deal of spirit and daring. Marjorie's lip curled unconsciously. I'd rather be a milk and water baby than as cruel and heartless as she. I'll never forgive her for the way she treated Connie. Let's not talk of her, Irma. It makes me feel cross and horrid, and, of all days, I'd like to be happy today. There's so much to be happy over, and I'm so glad to see all of you. Life would be a desert waste without high school, wouldn't it? Marjorie's soft hand found Irma's she was very fond of this quiet fair-haired girl who with jerry macy had stood by her so resolutely through dark days here she comes our dear teacher look out girls or you'll be ushered out of sanford high before you've had a chance to look at the bulletin board warned be harding's high-pitched voice her sarcastic remarks carried farther than she had intended they should as a sudden hush had fallen upon the study-hall. Miss Merton, Marjorie's pet aversion, had stalked into the great room. She cast a malignant glance, not at Muriel, but straight at Marjorie Dean. "'Oh!' gasped Muriel and Marjorie in united consternation. "'That's the time you did it, Muriel,' muttered Jerry Macy. I always told you that you ought to be an orator, or an oratress, or something. Your voice carries a great deal farther than it ought to. Only Miss Merton didn't think it was you who made those smart remarks. She thought it was Marjorie. Now she'll have a new grievance to nurse this year. I'm awfully sorry. Muriel was the picture of contrition. I didn't intend she should hear me. But to blame you for it, that's dreadful. I'll go straight and tell her that I said it. Muriel made a quick movement as though to carry out her intention. Marjorie caught her by the arm. You'll do nothing of the sort, Muriel Harding. My sophomore shoulders are broad enough to beat it. Perhaps she didn't really hear what you said. She can't dislike me any more, for that, than she did before she thought I said it. "'Young ladies, I am waiting for you to come to order. Will you kindly cease talking and take seats?' Miss Merton's raucous voice broke harshly upon the abashed group of girls. They scuttled into the nearest seats at hand like a bevy of startled partridges. What a horrid woman, was Mary Raymond's thought as she slipped into a seat in front of Marjorie and stared resentfully at the rigid figure, so devoid of womanly beauty, in its severe brown linen dress, unrelieved by even a touch of white at the neck. With a final glare at Marjorie the teacher proceeded at once to the business at hand. Within the next few minutes she had arranged the girls of the freshman class in the section of the study hall they were to occupy during the coming year. Marjorie awaited the turn of the sophomores to be assigned to a seat with inward trepidation. She had had no opportunity to introduce Mary to Miss Merton. What should she do? She half rose from her seat, then sat down undecidedly. Miss Merton had arranged the freshmen to her satisfaction. Now she was calling for the sophomores to rise. Perhaps she would not notice Mary. If she did not, then Mary could pass with the sophomores to their section. As soon as the session was dismissed, she would introduce her to Miss Merton. But Miss Merton was lynx-eyed. That girl there, in the blue dress, she blared forth. You were not in the freshman class last year. Mary turned in her seat and shot a glance of appeal to Marjorie. The girl rose bravely on her friend's behalf. Miss Merton, she said in her clear young voice, I brought Mary Raymond here with me. She... You are not supposed to bring visitors to school, Miss Dean, was the teacher's sarcastic reminder marjorie's eyes kindled with wrath then mastering her anger she made courteous reply she is not a visitor she expects to enter the sophomore class come down to this front seat young woman ordered miss merton ignoring marjorie's explanation i'll attend to you later mary sat still surveying miss merton out of two belligerent blue eyes "'Do as she says, Mary,' whispered Marjorie. "'Mary obeyed. "'Walking down the aisle with maddening deliberation, "'she seated herself on the bench indicated. "'No talking,' rasped Miss Merton "'as a faint murmur went up from the girls in the sophomore section. "'Once the classes had been assigned to their places for the year, "'there was little more to be done.' Nettled by her recent resentment against Marjorie, Miss Merton took occasion to deliver a sharp lecture on good conduct in general, making several pointed remarks, which caused Marjorie to colour hotly. More than one pair of young eyes glared their resentment of this harsh teacher, who had never lost an opportunity in the past school year of censoring their favourite. The moment the short session was over, the girls of her particular set gravitated toward Marjorie. Well, of all the old cranks, scolded Geraldine Macy. She's the most hateful teacher in the world, was Muriel Harding's tribute. I wouldn't pay any attention to her, Marjorie. I'd go straight to Miss Archer, advised Susan Atwell. Just see her now. She looks as though she had actually snap at your friend. Miss Merton was engaged in interviewing the still belligerent Mary, who stood listening to her, a sulky droop to her pretty mouth. Oh, I must go and help Mary out. Wait for me outside, girls. Do you need any help? inquired Jerry. I never was afraid of Miss Merton, if you'll remember. Oh, no. Marjorie hurried toward her friend and stood quietly at Mary's side. "'Well, Miss Dean, what is it?' Miss Merton eyed Marjorie with her most disagreeable expression. "'I came to tell you, Miss Merton,' began Marjorie in her direct fashion, "'that Miss Raymond saw Miss Archer this morning, "'before we came to the study hall. "'She sent us—' "'That will do, Miss Dean.' "'interrupted Miss Merton. "'I hope Miss Raymond is capable of attending to her affairs "'without your assistance. "'I should greatly prefer that you go on about your business "'and leave this matter to me. "'I believe I have been a teacher in Sanford High School "'long enough to be trusted to manage my own work.' "'A bitter retort rose to Marjorie's lips.' She forced it back, and with a dignified bow to Miss Merton, and I will wait for you in the corridor, Mary, walked from the room, her head held high, her eyes burning with resentful tears. End of chapter 5 Recording by Ashley Jane.